Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness, Lord. You are there for us, O oh God. No matter where we may be, your presence and your glory shines through. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your holy name.
hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've come to worship you tonight, O oh God. We've come to magnify your name. You are worthy, O oh God, to receive the honor and the glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just lift up our hands, amen, and ask the blessings of the Lord over this house and over these people tonight. Dear God, Lord, we want your blessings, God, to be over this house tonight. All that walks in, we know is blessed tonight, oh God. Each and every individual bless us in our going and our coming, oh Lord. Tomorrow, Lord, allow us to be that vessel, Lord, that tool of blessings into our world, God. In the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. March with us tonight. I give you thanks for all you've done. I am so
Sunday, May the 10th, is Mother's Day, and uh, Sunday night will be our birthday Sunday, time of special Mother's Day message, we'll be preaching Sunday night, so I encourage everyone to come, bring a mother with them, hallelujah, and we're going to have a great time of preaching, food, and fellowship, hallelujah. Amen. See, I'll give you an excuse to go over and invite your neighbor. Hey, I can't get my mom to come. You're a mother. Won't you come with me? Amen. Pastor said you'd count. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we are excited about that. Reminder, revival at the end of this month, May 29th, 30th, and 31st. Be having a great time of revival services. Looking forward to what God is going to do for us at the end of May. Amen. Have your Bibles tonight. Open them to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. Hallelujah. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We are making good progress in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Begin reading with verse 1. And uh, let's go through verse 40 for our beginning reading. Luke 12, 1 through 40. Tonight, I'll read verse number 1. You can read verse number 2, etc., etc. Responsive reading. Hallelujah. Luke 12, verse number 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in light, and that which you have spoken in the ears and closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Verse 5, But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not thy children and 
But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Verse number 9, But he that not denieth me before man shall be denied before the angels of God. Verse 11, And when they bring un you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take you no thought how or what things ye shall answer, or what ye shall say. Verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. Verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Verse 17. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Verse 23, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Verse 25, and which of you, with taking thought, can add to his statue one cubic? Twenty-seven. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 33. Sell that you have, and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, 
a treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. Verse 35, let your lawns be girded about and your light burning. Verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Verse 39, And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he'd have watched and would have had sufficient and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Amen. Thank you so much for joining in with me. Amen. In the reading here of the word of God. Hallelujah. Get the technical here in just a moment. Already. Starts out here, and Luke talks about a gathering of people that were great multitudes uh, in. He described it as an unnumerable multitude of people. We know that at one time uh, he categorizes a meeting of 5,000 people that Jesus uh, had sit down and feed. Um, part of that could be the organization of having them sit down and feeding the people. They had them sit down in like companies of 50 or whatever, and so the counting uh, might have been easy but there is a great amount of people at this point that are coming to hear what Jesus had to say and he were, begins to talk to the disciples and let them know that there are things that they need to be aware of warning he's issuing a warning and this time of year uh, anytime that we hear a storm warning our ears are going to perk up we've lived in Oklahoma long enough that we realize that, you know, storms are real. They're not a figment of somebody's imagination. And so we uh, want to be aware of what's going on, aware of what the possibilities may be uh, in the thing. So Jesus here is warning his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees. The object lesson of leaven has been used in the Bible way way back uh, during the time of the Passover even they were to make unleavened bread um, at that point it seemed to be symbolic of a bread that they were making in haste because anytime you have a yeast roll what do you have to do you have to set it on the stove and give it some time to rise up in order for it to be a nice puffy roll hope you're not too hungry tonight 
Amen. But uh, there are some awesome yeast rolls out there. Hallelujah. God's delivered me from them. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but they were in a hurry, so they didn't have time to let their bread rise. They needed to bake a bread that uh, quickly, and so it became an unleavened bread. It became a bread uh, that did not rise. And there's some good breads out there that uh, is made. Um, don't think a pancake's got much um, in it, does it? Uh, flour to tea would be probably a cracker. Um, matzah is what the uh, Hebrew term is for it. And if you go to a large community that has a Jewish following, you can find matzah at the grocery store. And um, there's a grocery store that I went to in Branson, and they had several different flavors of the, of the matzah, the unleavened bread. It was a popular thing. Uh, evidently, they sold a lot of it. So... Um, that is a beginning area, staging area, the unleavened bread that is there. We look and we see that uh, eventually leaven becomes to represent sin. Uh, and as a reminder of today, what we would call cancer in our world. Uh, a little bit of leaven goes a long ways. You get leaven in there and, and it kind of takes over. And swells up. It infects the whole body. So he begins to talk about the leaven of the Pharisees, and he says, This is hypocrisy. I wonder how many different definitions to hypocrisies out there in our world today. Um, is there different things that we, we see hypocrisy in? Uh, do you see any of the people that are in political offices being hypocrites um, we, we look at them we, we see people that are doing things and they are saying they're doing it because they want to help people and really it's all about money what they are doing they are doing because it brings income into them it's a nice way to make money we see people that uh, are saying things in order to try to get your trust. We see a great push by, um, let's just put it this way, uh, the religion that is most popular in the Middle East in order to try to get the trust of America. They want America to think that they are nice, kind, loving people, and they would never, ever do anything to harm us. And that uh, they start out by talking about what happened that the World Trade Center was just a couple of uh, radicals. But now they've got a real problem because they've got this whole group they're calling ISIS. Another good term that got messed up, huh? I thought you got ICs down at the grocery, I mean, at the convenience store. Huh? Um, but they are projecting an image there, there's lots of different spin campaigns that went on we had a president that went into full overdrive trying to convince America of certain things that we found out later 
and some of us knew all that was happening and nobody would listen to us, that were not as he was telling us that they happened. He had other motives. He had other reasons. He had things that he was, he was wanting to do and accomplish. So none of us wants to have people in our life that are full of hypocrisy. Have you experienced hypocrisy in your little world in the social environment? It could be the work environment, the school environment. Someone that comes up and they act like that, you're, that they're your friend. And all the time they're just trying to get some dirt on you so they can go peddle it. They're just trying to find out something about you. You know, they've heard something. They're, uh, are, they're just in the agitation business. They're, they're hypocrites. They're acting like you're, they're your friend, and all along they're going to go try to get you in trouble. They're going to go tell somebody, you know what they said? And they will turn and twist what you said in order to try to agitate the other person, and they'll come back to you. <gasps> Oh, no, so-and-so said they heard that you said so-and-so, and they think you are a dirty, rotten fink. So, hypocrisy in every level. I don't know. You ever heard anybody that liked a hypocrite? I don't know if one hypocrite likes another hypocrite. I don't think a hypocrite would even like a hypocrite. They want their their friends to be honest with them even though they're being dishonest with them so nobody likes a hypocrite nobody likes hypocrisy and there's always been a big push to try to cover it up that's the reason in verse 2 he says there is nothing uh, that will cover up your hypocrisy he said, even what you're spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. Amen. And we find that one time uh, the prophet Elijah was telling uh, the secrets of the enemy to the king. And the king got so mad and so upset over him that he sent his, you know, his goon squad out to get Elijah. And... It's one of those miraculous things where God just kind of, you know, executed them all right there on the spot. Um, so there was nothing he could say that wasn't being revealed. God was anointing his prophet to say, ultimately, the truth will prevail. The truth will come out. All of us are going to find ourselves in times and in circumstances where that we are going to have doubt in our mind about a particular situation, about a particular person, about a particular thing that's going on. And we have to just go to the God in prayer and do what we know is right and allow time to reveal the truth because the truth will be revealed. Time will bring truth. Time will give us the answer uh, to what is going on. So, the most dangerous of all hypocrites, though, is those that proclaim to be a messenger of God, that proclaim to be a preacher of the gospel. Because when they deceive someone, it's a permanent deception. If somebody deceives you and sells you a tomato slicer and it don't work, 
You may be out $39.95, but eventually you're going to be able to get enough money and to buy you another tomato slicer if that's what you want. But if somebody comes to you and they tell you that the only thing you got to do in order to be saved is to sign a membership card and you wake up in the hot spot, it's too late to get a refund on what you're doing. So hypocrisy in religion is very, very dangerous. Um, you know, I've noticed something. I, I buy things every once in a while. I've noticed that when I buy something and I'm in a hurry, if I buy something and I don't observe, I don't get the information that I need, a lot of times after I get done purchasing the item, I have buyer's remorse, buyer's regret, because I find the object somewhere else cheaper, I find a better object, or I find out this object uh, doesn't work like it's supposed to, or it won't work at all. Um, so, our soul is important, and I feel like there's a lot of people in our world out there that they're so caught up in doing their thing. They, they got to get home and get on Netflix. They got to go uh, find out about Britney Spears. They, they've got to find out what Madonna's doing. They, they've got to They've got to go to the dance. They've got to find out about the rodeo. They've got to find out about the baseball game, the football game, the basketball game. They're, all these things are caught up, and so they are not paying any attention to what their spiritual needs are in their life. So they are easily deceived. They're easily But he concludes here and he says, hey, you need to pay attention to the one that has the power to choose your eternal destination. And then he goes on to describe how much and how great it is that uh, God pays attention to the smallest of details in the world. He knows what is going on. And the small details matter to us in life. We, we, are, we are concerned about the small things. We, we do have needs in our life, and we, go, we, need, we take them to God, and God is concerned about those needs. He's concerned about what is going on. And many times we are in such a hurry up, gimme, gimme, take, take, instant microwave, potato generation that we think that God doesn't care, God doesn't, hasn't heard, or God has not done something. I want to tell you, a lot of times God does things, and it's just the fact that we're so narrow focused. We have such a small radar system in our world that we don't realize God's acting out here and the wave is coming in. And all we got to do is just trust God and hold on till the answer gets here. 
But the answer is on the way. God is going to fix the situation. God is going to make it right. Our faith has to stay strong, and we have to continue to do that which God has asked us to do on his behalf. God is there. Um, and he, he talks to them in the wrapping this section up about the fact that we must let the world know that we believe in Jesus. We've got to be one that, that makes a public statement, a public confirmation of our faith in God. Uh, and that's important on several different levels that are out there because the world needs to hear our proclamation of faith in order for them to know that they can have faith. That our examples are important to reach out to them. And then in verse number 10, he talks about whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. I, uh, just going to make that real simple for you tonight. Blaspheming of the Holy Ghost is a state of mind. Yes, speaking the word against the Holy Ghost is where you wind up when you're in that state of mind. And what happens, the Bible talks about Esau sought re repentance, but he could not find repentance bitterly with tears. I've seen people that have sought God and they never found repentance. They found themselves in this state. And I've seen people that's been stupid and said stupid things and it wasn't the representation of their heart and God forgave them and God, you know, brought them into the fold and, and they're living for God and they made it. So, uh, yes, I've got to be careful of what I, I'm saying, but don't ever allow this to be something that someone who made a stupid mistake and said something stupid would think that they don't have any hope in God. And, you know, reach out to that person. Let them know, hey, you know, you are not in a state of blasphemy. You are not in this mindset. This is not what your heart is dictating. The scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We're talking here an expression from the heart when you narrow this down. The scripture has to be put together in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Uh, so you see context, you see confirmation. Um, and then we have, uh, in Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the church about those that uh, had not a love for the truth. And uh, as a result of that, they had a strong delusion and they believed a lie and they were damned. They, they were in a place of none returning because they did not love the truth. Well, in order to love something, you got to know about it. 
I'm sorry, I don't love any Martians today because I've never met a Martian. I've got to know something in order to love it. And so people that have known the truth and they didn't love it are in dangerous grounds. And so here's what the total package uh, that we're talking about uh, and God's um, power and his glory and majesty can deliver man and set man free. But part of the basic premises is that God cannot forgive someone who has not repented. His word has made that clear. We must repent in order to receive forgiveness of our sins. And that's one of the reasons that this easy believism is dangerous. Because when somebody, all they do is say, I come to Jesus and I accept him as my personal savior. Well, none of their sins have been remitted. None of their sins have been washed away. And as a result of this unrepented, unforgiving state, there's no way they're saved without the remission of their sins, without their sins being paid for by Calvary. So he does let them know that the power of the Holy Ghost is there in our lives. And when we're in a situation that is beyond our normal box. We, we get outside of where we normally are at. That we don't have to panic. Because God has promised us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that God has forsaken me here and he'll never help me. No. That ain't what he said. God is with us. And he will equip us. God never calls us to a mission without equipping us to do the job. God equips us before he calls us. He prepares us before he deploys us. That is there. And so God will be with us regardless of what it is, uh, regardless of what he's called us to do. And it is not about us having faith within our flesh because it is not our mind, it's not our intellect, it's not our great thought process, it's not who we are. Um, I, I just don't see that in the book anywhere. God wants somebody to come to him in humility that has the one most important ability, and that is availability. Take me mold me and make me into a vessel that you can use ever how God wants to use you and when God makes you he, he does a great job of it you are totally equipped uh, to do God's bidding amen he has someone come to him and ask him then to Divide the family inheritance. And Jesus replied, Who made me a judge or a divider over you? To me, the first thing that comes to mind in this whole situation is that here's someone trying to get Jesus off track, off focus. 
And the church can have situations that come along that can get us off track or off focus. We have certain resources, and we are to use those resources wisely. Now, if we had a church tonight with 4,000 members, then, yes, we would be concerned about uh, and, and know that if God laid it on our heart, we could have a resource where we would help pregnant women so they don't abort their babies. But we are not there tonight. That would be something that are getting us off track of our mission. Our mission is to get people to Calvary and to the cross and getting them to learn to depend upon God and allow God to get them through this situation. Yes, we love people. We want to make things as easy as we can, but the law of the harvest is, is still in effect in a lot of this. So we, we don't want to get off track. The church is not a political party. We, we are not a political being. Yes, we are affected by politics in our nation, but that is not our calling. We stand for morality, but we do not have political leanings or political feelings. We stand for the word of God. We proclaim the word of God. And those that love and proclaim the word of God uh, are blessed, and those that don't are not. So I, I believe this is what uh, Jesus was facing here. And so uh, he was letting the man know, hey, you know, this is not what I've come to do. This is, this is not the track. I've, I've come to bring salvation into the world. And there's some other method that has been established to take care of these grievances and these wrongdoings, and I'm going to have to let that stand at this point. Then he, he, talks, he takes this opportunity, though, to talk to them about greed, how that uh, greed is a terrible thing, and the parable of the rich man that had plentiful things. And he began to be the, the man of I. If you look there, verse 17, 1, 2, verse 18, 3, 4, 5. Then you include the mys, uh 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's over 10 I's and my's in those verses right there. Again, this is somebody that is proclaiming their abilities, their talents, what they have. Ultimately, when you look at this, it talks about God telling this man that uh, thou fool, thou soul shall be required of thee. And... The terminology here, as you look at it, is like someone repaying a loan. Your, your payment is due. God has loaned you this time upon the earth, and now it's, he is calling it back, and it is his. 
makes life a little easier sometimes when we do have the realization that what we have, we are stewards, and God has given us these things. He's given us a pair of shoes. He's given us a coat. He's given us transportation. He's given us food in the cabinet. He's given us a building to come and assemble here. But it is God's. And I, when I begin to get, I, me, me, uh, there's lots of things that can get me in trouble there. So can we have that humility and that mindset and realize it is God's property and he's the one that ultimately will look after it? Um, and man is laying up treasures here on earth. I, I, I believe and I teach and I proclaim that uh, we need to be good stewards of what we have and we need to uh, be wise in the way that we conduct our personal business and God wants us to, to be able to have some uh, emergency money in our life so that uh, the normal things of life that come will be prepared for them. Something in your world is going to break this year. You know, I'm scratching my head right now. I've got to get tires on my car. You know, and that takes money to buy tires to put on your car. So things are going to happen, whether it be your favorite pair of shoes falls apart, you blow a hole in the knees of your blue jeans. Uh, the cat eats your necktie. Your wife puts bleach in with your... Amen. Thank goodness my wife don't do that. Hallelujah. I've been the one that has bleached my garments over the last few months. It's a long story. I ain't going to tell you about it tonight, but anyway. Those bleach spots were my fault, not hers. But things are going to happen, so we do have the stewardship principle. Uh, and, and, you know, there's things that that are long-range and coming. Uh, used to, you know, the only way you could get car insurance was to buy it six months at a time. Now a lot of, a lot of the insurance companies uh, do it monthly. You do pay more when you do it that way, in case you didn't figure it out. But uh, there are things that, if you will plan for and put the money aside, then when you get there, you don't have a surprise. You know, if the washing machine at home is going boom, 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 you better start saving money to get a washing machine fix them ups. Think you can do better? <laughs> I just had a car one time that sounded like a washing machine. I had to listen to the thing a lot. So, God is the Almighty One. We are not laying up treasures on this earth. We have people that uh, their whole life is built in amassing these great treasures. One time in our life, uh, me and my wife were equated with this family, and 
they were laying up treasures on earth. The only way I know how to put it. Here they were, uh, owned 11 or 12 different locations for their business. They had a beautiful, beautiful condo that they owned in Shangri-La there by Grove, Oklahoma. And I don't know, 10 to 20 years, I don't know how long the time was, and the man had never, ever taken a week's vacation. Uh, had an airplane. Uh, I mean, you just go on down the, the line with, with all this stuff. And it's not like, you know, he was a heart surgeon and there's going to be people dying all over the place. I mean, you know, his businesses sold things to people. And whether he was there or not, his employees were still going to sell the stuff. Plenty of people working for him. But it's just something about give me more, give me more, give me more. Got to get it, got to go, got to go. So that is, is not where we're at. We have, God says, hey, get your priorities in the right place. Uh, there are things we do to sustain ourselves been on all of it. Uh, when God calls us, though, there are sacrifices that we will make for the kingdom of God to help other people, to do things for other people, and God will bless us for it, and God will strengthen us. And if we, we've got to have that attitude, God, use me, whatever it takes. I'm willing to listen to you. I'm willing to be a vessel that can be used. Um, without all these stop signs and restrictions, you know, only this, that, and the other. Um, so he began to talk to his disciples about worry. Uh, you know, worry and doubt are very close partners there. There's not much difference between the two. If you're worrying, you're probably doubting. It's hard to worry without doubting. And it's hard to doubt without worrying. So he said, hey, God feeds the raven. He dresses the lilies. They don't complain. They just keep on going. They don't stop. Uh, they don't go on strike. They're there. Uh, so he said, God cares for his people more than he cares for the birds and the flowers. He's put things in place for them so that they can have something to eat. And so God says, make God a priority. Um, and if you do that, the things that you need will be added unto you. The path is not always the path that we would choose, but God will be a provider. He will help us. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will take us through the situation. If we put him first, we will have the peace and the joy while we're going through it. The reason the world is full of depression and torment and stress is because they have not put God first in their life. They don't have the principles of God in their life. And there they are. In verse 34, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The treasure the heart I've said it before and I'll say it tonight people do what they want to do I've had kin folks tell me oh I 
just want to come and see you so bad. If there was any way I could... No. They don't want to come and see me so bad. Because if they did, they would. They're not homeless. They're not afoot. They're not lost in the Sierra Desert somewhere. They got nice cars. They live in nice houses. They got plenty of money to buy gas, and they go where they want to go. And in our life, we don't want to deceive ourselves. We will have our priorities. Thank God that God has put good people in this church, and we have the priority in our hearts and our souls to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because in doing that, we are blessed. And God is a God of addition, and His blessings come down, and we are gaining resources to be able to reach out and to help other people. Let us be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and what's going on in our world. We can pray about things. We can see things and reach out and know, hey, this is something that God is wanting me to, to reach out and get involved in it because it's going to bless somebody. He's an on-time God. He, he puts things together. He brings things in place when we need them, how we need them. May we trust in him with all of our heart. But let me tell you something. Tomorrow, God is not going to kick any of us out of bed. You know, I could just see it. There's Andrew just getting those good snoozes, and all of a sudden his foot comes out of heaven. Boom! What was that? Get up. Don't you know you got studies? No. Amen. Oh, I'm thankful for the times that God gets our attention. Amen. But we will have to get up tomorrow and do what we know to do. Amen. The task that God has put before us, the mission that we are involved in. All of us should look at our activities tomorrow as part of our calling and our mission that God has given us. Now, your mission tomorrow may be a mission of finding out what my mission is, but you've got a mission tomorrow. If nothing else, that's your mission. We all have a mission. And there's times we're in transition in our life and we really are scratching our head and saying, you know, what is going to happen? What is, is going to come down the line? We are entering into a call revival at the end of this month, so we're going to see some spiritual warfare this month. Amen. So extra prayer, extra fasting, extra seeking after God is going to be important because God is going to bring victory, but in order for a victory to happen, there is a battle that transpires. Is that person out there worth it? Is your friend worth it? Is your loved one worth it? Is your neighbor worth it? Are they worth fighting for? Amen. Are they worth going to bat for? The spiritual warfare, the battle, the struggle that is there. Amen. We're going to stand tonight and take some prayer requests in closing. Amen.
Let's pray for Brother Jonathan tonight. Amen. Needs a healing touch in his body. Amen. Uh, let's pray for Sister Trish. Trisha Strickland. Amen. Uh, she needs a touch. Several of you remember Trish. Amen. Hallelujah. And definitely want to pray for Sister Michelle tonight and, and Jeremiah. God would reach down and, amen, continue the healing process that, uh, amen, complete healing and victory over uh, this bump in the road. Hallelujah. Sister Sarah. continue to pray for Jamie Powell tonight. We know God needs to reach down and speak into his world. Amen. And let's pray about the weather tonight. Amen. Dear God, Lord, you see all the needs tonight, O oh God. We come to thee, Lord, knowing that you are our Savior, our King, and our Redeemer, O oh God. All power in heaven and earth is in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you reach down tonight, O oh God, and would you touch hearts and souls? And